Yo, this is Teresa Weatherspoon, better known as Teaspoon, and you're watching Real Fans, Real Talk. Live from the camp. Uh-huh. This is Real Fans, Real Talk. Real Fans, Real Talk. We as real as you thought. Real Fans. What's going on? Welcome to another Quarantine TV edition of Real Fans, Real Talk, in conjunction with the Sanchez Show, of course. Uh, we got a whole lot to get into this week, but we did bring a very special guest with us because every so often, which we probably should be doing more, we got to have a, a mental health check-in, and if we're going to do that, then we got to call another other than Coach D to come in and help us out. So Coach D will be joining myself, Legend in Two Games, Eric Sanchez, what's going on, my brother? What's really good, man. Uh, I'm excited. We got some NBA playoffs to get into, and as you mentioned, Coach D, unfortunately, we can't have you in studio like we did last time. Uh, but nonetheless, we expect a great conversation as we had in the past. Coach D, how you how you feeling? I'm feeling amazing, gentlemen. Just happy to still be able to communicate and connect. Um, There's definitely a lot going on, so I'm just ready to get into it. Well, we let's let's start with some basketball because I actually I needed you for a mental health check uh, the other day when the Lakers went down, and I I, I started to hit you right away immediately. <laughs> But I said, let me catch my breath because I was hyperventilating and there was a lot, a lot of things was going on. So I really needed you at that point. But um, the Lakers, the Lakers did go, did go home. So I did, I did need you for that. But basketball does continue. So let's just talk about what's going on right now in the NBA. We're gonna start off with my man Ice Trey because he, he, he out here knocking teams out uh, the first round. He beating up on the first, uh, on the number one seed in uh, Philly right now on the road. Um, did, did, did you guys get to watch the games? I did. Um, I was in and out on that game, but I, I've been amazed not only by by Trey Young and what the Hawks are doing, but just all the young players we're seeing in the playoffs. Um, I mean, we overlook how young Luka is, but obviously Luka's been balling. Um, we saw John Morant look very good in his first round performance against Utah as well. So a lot of these young guys, it's, it's amazing to see how they're embracing the platform and just saying, I don't care whether it's the playoffs or not. I don't care if y'all yelling at me, whatever y'all want to do, I'm going to come out here and perform. So it's been amazing to see. And, and Trey Young has been phenomenal, man. He had another great game today. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The, the hunger, um, the level of hunger is different right now because all these young guys are looking, you know, to name and establish themselves among the greats. It's, it's like really been great to see. What I will say, you know, being recording in progress uh, is, you know, just breathe. Like I definitely had to breathe because when I started watching the, the Atlanta Knicks series, I was like, Atlanta could go far. Like if they continue to stay disciplined to their game plan, uh, Trey is on a mission and you got Capella who people forget is just as hungry. Like he was the reason why James Harden and the Rockets got as far as they did. And when he left, they weren't like, you know, so I'm, I'm really excited to see how far Atlanta goes. Did you have a problem with him bowing uh, at the Garden after they took out the Knicks? Nah, nah. I mean, at the end of the day, who doesn't want to play here? It's like, look, you get to beat me, but at the end of the day, you still own me because you got to do it here. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like you grandstanding on a grand stage. I ain't mad. Take it back. <laughs> You're 1,000% correct. I mean, he performed. Listen, our fans heckled him from day one. Uh, there were some ignorant fans in the crowd who actually spit at him one day. So he performed through all that. So he deserved to take his bow. I have no problem with that because he performed. I just said it because, Eric, you know I had beef with Paul Pierce for some years because he did that at the Garden in a regular season game. So I just wanted to know if y'all was okay with that. And I guess I'll give Trey some slack since they did one of them, one of them 
knucklehead fans did spit at him, so I'm gonna give him some slack. But uh, had it been like the Paul Pitt situation, me and Ice Trey wouldn't, wouldn't get along right now. Nah, I respect it, but the Paul Pierce situation, you got that that was intentional. Like that was like a intentional kiss my ass moment. <laughs> like where I feel like Trey Young was more like, I did it. Like, you know what I mean? Like to me, it didn't come off like watching that game, watching him do that after they won. Like I didn't feel I was like, okay, he finally did it. Like I was more like, you know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Like I didn't, I don't know. It wasn't the energy behind it to me just wasn't like, oh. I'm better than y'all. It was just more like, yo, I'm here. I made it. I did this at the Garden. All right, cool. Yeah, playoff series and, and a regular season game are two completely different animals, man. Like like I said, he had to play three games at the Garden with that crowd yelling and screaming at him, and they had all types of taunts for him throughout the series. So him taking that bow at the end is different. It's just like when Reggie Miller used to perform at the Garden. You know what I'm saying? Reggie deserved to trash talk and do whatever he did because he did it in a series. For Paul Pierce to take a bow in a regular season game, it's like – like, what, what did you accomplish? It was a regular season game. So this I'm, meant so I'm nothing. justified in what y'all said at my beef yeah. with Paul Pierce. Yeah, justified. absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong. Paul Pierce, we, you know, we respect his greatness on the court and obviously his recent uh, situation, greatness off the court. So yes. we got nothing but love for Paul Pierce and what, he, what he's doing out here. But in terms of the bows, Trey Young get, deserves that. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. I got, yeah, I, I'll give him that. He did have, uh, have a big performance today. Um, I'm actually a little bit disappointed with Philadelphia uh, coming out the gate like that. I, I thought the game would have been closer because because uh, Embiid was was pretty much a game time decision um, to play. So I, I still kind of took thought the Sixers would win this game even without Embiid, but I thought it would just would have been a little bit closer. But to have Embiid in there and Embiid balling and and they get beat up the way they did, it was. It's a scary sight for for Philadelphia. I, I don't I don't know now. I I thought they could could compete at least with the, with the Nets and go go seven games. Trey Young said we we about to compete with the Nets and make it go seven games. I just think the difference today was was the bench. Uh, we got to give a lot of credit to Nate McMillan too, because Nate McMillan since the time he's taken over the Hawks, they've had the best record in the East. They've been balling out. I personally, as a Knicks fan, I hate to say it, he outcoached Thibodeau in the first round. And I thought he did the same thing to Doc Rivers today. He made a minor adjustment. They didn't have DeAndre Hunter to start, so they started Solomon Hill. But by doing that, it kept their bench deep because they were able to bring Gallinari off their bench, Lou Will off their bench, and Huerta. So when you look at the numbers, Trey went off. Don't get me wrong. And Trey is the is the key to all of this for them. But when you got that type of firepower coming off your bench, you see it in the points today. Philly's a pretty good defensive team. They put up 126 points on that Philly team. And like you said, at one point, they were up 20. They were running them out the gym. Nate McMillan deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing with that young team. Eric, I'm going to need you to not mention Solomon Hill's name anymore during this program because he started this whole thing. He is the reason why my man LeBron was not 100% going into this playoffs. So please <laughs> refrain from saying that. Man's uh, wait, name. Listen, let, we, we, all right. Let, let's address the elephant in the room because we know you want to talk about it, all right? <laughs> Coach D is here. And you got two minutes to get it off your chest right now while Coach D is here, all right? I'm just saying, man. I know. Get it. Come on. Let's no, come on. Let's, let's get breathe. It let's, get it. let's do let's, it. Let's yeah, do it. Let's on. release. We hey, here. Hey, we here for you. We got we got cheated out of this one, okay? It started from the beginning of the season. They knew we was not ready to come back this soon, okay, after being in the bubble. All right, but we still we still pushed our way through. Then Solomon Hill gonna come along, fall on LeBron's ankle, threw the whole situation out of whack. Braun still came back. He tried to fight it, but then they took AD out, and it's a conspiracy. And I'm just letting y'all know right now, I'm not for it. I'm good now. I got it off All my right. chest. And um, as Coach D just said, take a deep breath. Right, into your nose. 
out through your mouth. Do I need to say wusa too, or, or can I say wusa? No, no, no. Just, just breathe. Just breathe. All right. Just continue to keep breathing. All right. I think I'm because it's in the past. It is. It's in you're the right, past. Right. It, it and you got to let it go. I, you're right. You know what? You're right. LeBron got four rings. I'm gonna let it go for for now. I'll wait till next season. Thank you. I there we go. You. There we you. go. You have to come See? in more often, Coach D. Awareness is key. All right, I'm good now. I'm yeah, good. We, uh, thank you, Coach D. Because I thought we were gonna have to send somebody over there and check his pressure real quick. I, he was, he was, he was getting in the danger zone for a second. There. Right. You trip, you good? I'm good. Need now. some meditation. Water. I'm good now. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Right, we're gonna need some meditation circles. Yeah, I'm good. You still, Brooklyn is still holding it down. I'm good. I'm all right. I'm good. Uh, I think this next topic might bring your pressure back up because the last team standing in LA is the Clippers, and I know how much you dislike Kawhi or PG. But PG showed up. He played well, Trip. We can't ignore what he did. You know, he took, he took a lot of heat for last season, but he came through this year. They found a way to come back in that series and beat Dallas. He did. Uh, he, he, he did, and they came back. But I, they had the same game plan they did last year. They beat up on Luka after he started, you know, smoking y'all in the first couple of games. Y'all beat up on Luka, injured his neck. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't the same. And then now now look what we got. Now I got to hear Skip Bayless for, the, for another two weeks talking about the damn Clippers. Well, no, nah, they didn't beat up on him. I mean, they, they got a little more physical with him, don't get me wrong, but we got to give them a lot of credit, man. They lost them first two games at home, had to go to Dallas. They won those two games. Then they lose game five. They started to come back and win game six and game seven. Kawhi balled out the other night in game six. I think we got to give them a lot of credit, man. Ty Lue made some adjustments, and he got really risky with his game plan because they played really small. They were starting Batum, Morris, and Kawhi in their front court against Przingis and Boban, and they found a way to get it done. Yeah, no, I, I, in all seriousness, I got to give the give the Clippers credit for coming back in, in this series um, because they were down, uh, you know, like you say, at home, and everybody pretty much counted them out. Let's go to be a teenager. We have some feedback. Hold, hold on, guys. What's that? I think we should. I think we're good now. But um, but yeah, in in, in all seriousness, uh, you know, coming back from down two games. Everybody pretty much thought the, the Clippers were done. Kawhi fought back. Paul Paul George did his thing. Uh, I mean, Luca's an animal. You know, he's Luca might be top three right now, maybe even top two after what we've seen in, in, in this playoffs. In the closeout game and game seven on the road, 44 points. He still was the best player on the court throughout this this entire series. Um, but, I, but, yeah, I got to tip my hat to the Clippers. They held on. Um you know, we we might see the Clippers in in the finals now. Uh, you know, out of the out of the teams that's left, um, you know, I, I like Utah. I like what the, what they're doing, but you know, you got you got them two superstars out there with Kawhi and Paul George. So if they can keep it up, they they might be on a, on a on a on a, on a trip to the finals. No disrespect to the Suns and, and my man Chris Paul, but out of the remaining teams, I just think the Clippers are the best team from top to bottom. I like I would him a lot too. Yeah, coach, they got. Oh, yeah, no, I was gonna say I would definitely agree. Um, Kawhi is different. Um, not so much uh, PG, no disrespect to him, but Kawhi is just a different animal when he has a chance. Like, now that the window is actually open, um, and they don't have the big, you know, the big bad Lakers to contend, I definitely agree. And you know, Chris Paul has been, you know, again, no disrespect to his greatness, but his legacy has been. He's one way the entire year. Like there isn't a notch; he goes up. Um, so I'm very interested to see that series if it does come to fruition. Yeah, my knock on Phoenix all year has just been I don't think they have enough. I think they're they're top heavy. You know, 
we know Booker is, is turning into a superstar. Aiton's played well, CP3, but then there's a drop off with the rest of the talent. So it'll be interesting to see them against Denver because I think Joker has been the MVP of the league and Michael Porter Jr., another one of them young guys we're talking about that's been really balling out. I think Denver's pretty good, man. Aaron Gordon's played well there. Denver could be in position to upset Phoenix. I like Denver a lot in that series. And for the Clippers, you know, they, they got a tough matchup. Utah's no pushover. And now that they're healthy with Donovan Mitchell, they're really good as well. I think both those series are going to be very entertaining and long series. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Um, let's jump over to the Eastern Conference, though. Brooklyn, they, 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 they got a big win, but they took a, took a big loss. James Harden, uh, right hamstring, went down about a minute into the game. Didn't bother the Nets at all because that team is so so deep. That roster is so deep. They still manhandled Milwaukee. Um, I'm I am a little bit concerned about Harden's injury and if he if he will miss an extended period of time. But I mean, if the Nets play the way they did in Game One. Cause I mean, literally, they had Harden in the game for for a minute, maybe if that, and they completely dominated Milwaukee. Um, I thought they would with the big three, with the big two. I thought it would have been a little bit more competitive, cause I do think that Milwaukee definitely upgraded the roster from last season. Drew Holiday, I thought he was amazing in in the first round, and them kind of. Redeeming themselves, so to speak, against you know sweeping Miami and getting them out of here early, but they are completely outmatched with this Brooklyn Nets team. It's looking like with or without James Harden. I I I had them winning the series. Um, I thought it was going to be a close series. I still expect it to be a close series. I am concerned about Harden though, because last time when he hurt his hamstring, he missed twenty games. So you don't want this to become a lingering thing where you know he's in the lineup, out of the lineup. Um, but Blake Griffin gave him amazing minutes yesterday. Blake looked like the old Blake, you know, dunking, knocking down threes, pick and roll game. And if they're going to get that type of contribution from Blake, yeah, they, they're going to be almost unstoppable because Kyrie and KD, you could pencil them in for 25 to 30 every night. You know, they rolling out of bed and getting you that. You know that. So if Blake is going to give you them type of contributions. If Joe Harris is going to shoot the ball like that, they almost unstoppable. And if you're the Bucks, you have to play damn near perfect to beat them. Like Giannis played well yesterday. Holiday played well yesterday. They got good minutes from Brooke Lopez, but they ain't get much from, from Chris Middleton. I think he was like 6-23 of 23 yesterday. Chris Middleton has to play better because, again, you're already going against a team that has so much firepower. You need to be clicking. So if Milwaukee wants to make this a series, Chris Middleton has to play better. Uh, one other thing that's needed, I guess it's just a coach's perspective, is that other side of the coin. Like, you could talk stats and numbers all day, but Brooklyn had a different heart, had a different sense of urgency. Like, I felt like Milwaukee played flat. I feel like they were like, so um, what's the word? Like they were so like elated with, okay, we beat Miami. That it, it, seemed, it seemed to me, like it seemed like they played, like they thought this was going to be easy. They got the money. And like you said, they played yeah, comfortable. Yeah, like it was like, yeah, and it's, it, and it's that we celebrated. So, you know, that fire, it, it kind of went out with them. And if you watch just their demeanor, just their body language, it was like, you would have you thought that Brooklyn was like a number eight seed, like fighting for their lives, the way that they came out and played. Like, Brooklyn played like they had something to prove. And I think that that has to be considered because, like you said, the playoffs is a different animal. And that, that's that other component, that fire, that heart, that urgency. That's a, and that's the little a, just didn't have it. No, nah, that's a great point, Coach, because early in the game, Blake full-out dove for a loose ball 
when again we're talking first quarter maybe the first six minutes of the game and yeah full out you know and at least a little scrum on the court mm -hmm. but normally that's the type of thing you see late in the game when the, the game's in a balance blake brought that early like nah we this how much we needed and immediately you saw the crowd go crazy and then from that point on the brooklyn crowd was great yesterday i thought they were better yesterday than any of those first round games the brooklyn crowd yesterday felt like that intensity like we want this and we want it way worse than you want it yeah i'm gonna have to put a call out to uh to joe's and tell him yo we need in we need we need to be in the barclay center for for one of these uh these playoff games I don't know. It's probably too late for game two, but if they keep playing the way they was, we might not be able to get there into the conference uh, finals because <laughs> the way they was looking yesterday, man. Oh, my goodness. Shout out to Blake because he's another one who everybody thought, oh, he's done. He's in Detroit. He was playing horribly in Detroit. And then you realize, you know, it, it, this happens a lot with guys when they get to places where they don't want to be anymore. I mean, you know, we saw it with James Harden. At the beginning of the season in Houston, James James Harden looked like two completely different players. And now we see Blake Griffin coming into his own, you know, and I got, you know, for him looking at it, he's looking at it as, you know, this is my chance. One, this is my chance to get a ring. Two, this is my chance to get a nice little contract to to kind of close out my career because I'm sure if he continues this type of performance, he can get a nice little three-year deal from some team to close out, you know, the, the ending, ending of his career. But then just the rest of those guys just been amazing. Um, I mean, I think this year, just because, you know, going back, just because of the, 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 the quick turnaround, this season is pretty much going to come down who can actually keep players on the court. Because, again, I didn't know Joel Embiid was going to be playing in game one. I, I thought he was going to be out for a little while. He looked good, which I'm happy about because I want this thing to be competitive. But you got guys dropping like flies during the season, and it's not going to get easier the, 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 the longer you're going. We're talking about superstars we're losing. So... I, you know, I'm just hoping everybody stays healthy so we can continue to have a competitive playoffs. But I, you got to love what's going on in Brooklyn right now. Um, I, you know, at the end of the day, it's you know I I know the, I know the Knicks fans out there, but this is that if if the Nets win the championship, that's still a win for New York. You know, so that part. You know, <laughs> that part. I, I know it's I know it's different. I know it's still Brooklyn. It's a Brooklyn thing, but that's New York. You know what I'm saying? Like Brooklyn rep New York maybe harder than anybody. So. That's a fact. You know, let's, That's a fact. Yeah, we got to put our support behind the town. That's a right. fact. Yeah. That's fair. Listen, man, I mean, they, they built this up. They got an opportunity to do it. Um, you know, and you hope they take advantage of it because you don't know what the future holds and you don't know how long that window is going to be open, as, as Coach D mentioned earlier. You know, an injury could change that, that window, uh, trade, or anything. So mm -hmm. they have an opportunity. They've looked really good so far. And now it's time to just capitalize, and and I think they're in great position to do so. Exactly. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely bring on the mental aspect of it. You know, that's what I do. But like the going back to like James Harden, who he was at Houston versus who he is now. Even Kevin Durant, even Kyrie Irving, Kyrie having those type of caliber players around him. A lot of the things that he's been going through, or things that he's experiencing that once affected the team in the court, no longer exist. And you know, it's now getting to a point. I remember uh, Eric when you asked me. Um, you know, is it a stigma? Is it is it something that if guys and ladies continue to speak out about, is it something that's going to hurt the game? And I'm like, I think at this point, we're actually seeing the effects of people talking about what is going on. You know what I mean? Like Kyrie Sage in the court, that for people who know what that means, he feels unsafe, clearly. Like, so now he's purifying his space. But to the media, that's one thing. You know what I mean? So it's like now that these guys are getting more comfortable, more acclimated, and they have something to prove, 
So now there's this, this double dual motivation, if you will. I feel safe and I'm now motivated to do the thing it is that I do. And I think Brooklyn is a direct reflection of that. Like when guys are happy, when people are feeling slow and they're feeling good about where they are, this is, this is the result of it. So, so I think it's super important that we continue to be mindful of that. You, so so you think that them speaking out the way the players have take a stand, both NBA and WNBA, is a, is a benefit to their mental health? Definitely. I think it's a benefit to, to not just mental health, but mental health awareness, because it's like then we get to less idolize them for their talents and admire them as humans. Right. Like 10 years, 10, 15 years. Oh, God, I'm showing my age, maybe 20 years ago at this point when Dennis Rodman was crying and lashing out. Everybody thought he was freaking crazy. But now we understand, oh, he needs a hug. Oh, you know, all these understandings, all this new information that we have. It's like it, it's less you know, it's less a stigma. You know, um, Liz, the other day with the coach, um, you know, him talking about her weight. And like now there's room to say that and you're not the bad guy for advocating for yourself just as a human being. I think before it was like, oh, well, if you're a player, then you, you know, you get this amount of money or you get this status. You should be subject to this type of experience. And I think now we're more as a just as a society leading toward even with the examples you see of people spitting and throwing bottles and no, we're human, period. Um, and I think that that's what's necessary so that way other athletes that are watching, younger athletes, can report, can say, hey, look, I'm not having a good day. Hey, coach, I, I feel emotional about something. And it's not looked at as, like, weak. You know what I mean? Because now this player has the opportunity to actually get the help that they need so they can perform better. And, I, and, and we're going to ask you to go in even deeper uh, when we get to a little bit later on in the program. Because I love what you what you just said there, and we have a huge situation going on in the in the tennis world, and probably I mean, really in sports in general. So I really want you to go in depth, uh, you know, later on in the program on that. Um, Utah, the last uh, the last series in the Western Conference. Uh, are you? Do you guys think that that Utah has enough to win in the second round? I do. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, and don't get me wrong. I, I like the Clippers more. I'm, I'm rooting for the Clippers. Um, but I think they do. I think Donovan Mitchell is a very special player. And I think they have a really strong supporting cast. You know, in terms of liking the city or liking a lot of the things that go on within the organization. No, I would prefer the Clippers to win it. But purely based on talent on the court, I think they have enough. Yeah, because Utah definitely got some issues. Uh, oh, they got a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. a lot of issues. They got a lot of issues. The school and, um, system. <laughs> no, no, and, and I love the insight, Cozy, that you were bringing there because, you know, you're right. There, there's so many things that we overlook, including ourselves, Tripp and I, because we're, we're just talking about the game. So sometimes we forget the human aspect to it where it's like, man, that dude just might not be having a good day or a good month, you know what I'm saying, or a good year. So I'm, I'm so happy that you brought that up. I wanted to ask your perspective on this as a coach, someone who's been in those huddles, right? I heard a lot of guys, Paul George included, talk about the stress that the bubble put put on them, right? How, as, as a coach, how would you have handled that? Because you're away from your family, you're away from your loved ones, you're so secluded. And then to the outside world, they just think, oh, you're just here playing basketball. But they don't realize you're going back to an empty hotel room every night. Like, how would you have handled that as a coach? Uh, two things I would have did. I would have slowed it down. Um, I think the bubble experience, what people don't understand is that they were on 24 hours a day, be it practice, be it film. And then the games were so compact and they were in tight quarters. And these are really big guys. So 
I think first off as, as a coach, it would have been mandated to like breathe and do meditation, like literally sit in a freaking circle <laughs> and to just say, how are you feeling? So like in my, in my huddles now, I ask my guys and my gals, like, yo, how are you feeling? One word. You only have one word. So that allows you to really think about and be intentional about what you're going to say. Cause then you have to account for it, whatever it is that you're feeling. And I think in that time, because they're athletes, grown men, and they're professionals, that other part wasn't necessarily exercised, right? Like the clinician was there, but to really create a safe space where athletes can just say, yo, this shit is whack, or I feel this, or I miss my parents, or I miss my home, or whatever the case may be. And doing that among a team, one, it builds connection amongst the group because now they know they're not alone. But then two, it also gives them an opportunity to not be just athletes. So yeah, I definitely would have put an emphasis on taking time to just breathe, slowing the experience down for them. And then lastly, giving them a space to share whatever it is that they were feeling with each other. So that way they could be that support for each other emotionally. Yeah, that, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> listen, I know because, you know what, because we forget, you know, so often, and, and I, and I kind of, I actually, since we got you head coach, G, I kind of want to go back a little bit. So it's still NBA. Um, past couple of weeks, the, the whole Kwame Brown situation. Um, and you know, we 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 myself and I we spoke about how we how we felt uh, uh, about the situation. Um, but you know what? But in speaking about it, one thing we didn't speak about was Kwame Brown's mental health and things that he may have been going through over the past 20 years having to deal with being labeled as a bust. Um, now, I haven't changed my opinions on it because I still think he was a bust, but I do want to see, have you chime in on, you know, because now, because now he's lashing out. So I think we're kind of seeing what's, you know, some, some things maybe going on with, with his mental wellness. So I just wanted to get you to chime in a little bit on that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think that it's it, it's very accountable, right? It's that That's what mental wellness is about, being accountable and aware, aware of not only your energy and your behavior, but the ways in which that you could see more, right? That's what respect is, to look at it again. And I think with Kwame Brown, I actually had a conversation with uh, my brother-in-law about this, like, you know, he was saying, yeah, he's getting his 15 minutes of fame. And I'm like, I'm sure that may be part of it, but in the sense of, like, 15 minutes of fame in, like, Sorry, 15 minutes of fame in like what? In what space? Like it could be, yeah, that he's been waiting 15 years to get this off his chest, right? Because no one did care about him. Like he was the bus that everyone forgot about. Um, and I think, you know, when you go from being so highly recognized, idolized, put on a pedestal to literally being dropped, yeah, there could definitely be those moments of wanting vengeance or, yeah, I just want to advocate for myself and, and you know, project a different image. I don't know, but I definitely think having compassion in the conversation is necessary because you're absolutely right. We have no idea what he's going through and everyone has a story. Um, I agree. If we're talking strictly basketball, Kwame Brown was a bust. <laughs> that, that is what it is. But to, to be Kwame Brown, a human, you know what I mean? And, and have to be labeled that. I couldn't imagine what that must feel like. Yeah. And so, yeah, if this has been his opportunity to, to as you say, lash out, um, then I think it is important that people close to him are just checking in and making sure that his heart is good, that he forgives. Like once he gets it out, yeah, get it out and then let it go. 
because none of the things that either side has been talking about can be changed at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, you're, you're right. And, and that was, you know, the point that I took when we spoke about it before that, you know, if, if we're purely talking basketball, fine. I know some some words are harsher than others because I, I get on my nephews too. you know, my nephews watch the game and they critique a guy so hard. Then it's like, you got to relax, like take it easy. Like you don't even know what it's like to even play on a high school level yet, let alone trying to criticize somebody in the pros. But in all fairness, that's that's what we do as human beings. Right. If you go to a restaurant and the food isn't good, you're going to say, man, that food wasn't that good. Don't go to that restaurant. Now, you're not criticizing the chef personally. You're not taking jabs at him as a as him or her as a human being you're just critiquing their performance that particular day and i think that's where the line got blurred with kwame brown because he was upset by how he was critiqued as a player i get that i understand that he wants to defend himself but then he made it personal you taking jabs at matt barnes relationship with his ex-wife which in all fairness you're doing exactly what you were mad at other people for doing to you because matt barnes kids are old enough to hear what you're saying about their mother you know what i'm right. saying so that's the part that I didn't like. Kwame Brown, you defending yourself? Go ahead, bro. I get it. You, you've held that in long enough. You want to def- defend yourself? Cool. But critique these people professionally the way they've critiqued you professionally. Don't make it personal and talk about their wives or their family business. Because now to me, now that's, that's not about anything. That's not any, there's no professionalism in that. That's you being so upset that I want to try to dig deep enough to hurt you a certain way. And maybe that does speak to what you said, where he is dealing with so many demons. Here we inside. go. <laughs> yeah. you know well, I, mean, I, w- I mean, we can't we can't say demons. Oh, right? de- like, demons that, isn't the right word. I apologize. Yeah, That's you know not what I mean? the right like, word. We, yeah, we definitely don't want to judge because like, I mean, you're saying it right there and like missing over your own words when you say like, yeah, maybe he was just that upset. Yeah, he was. Clearly he was. Clearly he is that upset that he has to make it personal. Clearly there is some loss of recognition that he feels to where he knows if he keeps it between the lines of basketball, one, the conversation won't last very long, and two, he won't feel vindicated because the conversation will still remain that he is this lesser version of whatever it is that he wants to feel and see and be seen as, yes. right? Yeah. So we, we got we to gotta remember that. If, if I'm arguing because I want you to see me as something, then if I keep it in the contention of what I don't want to be seen as, then it defeats my purpose of even engaging in the conversation. So his whole point and premise may be to feel vindicated. And by doing that, yeah, I got to get personal because this is something that, and I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying when we look at human behavior, right? If we can say, well, a child cries because a child needs food, then we can also understand when adults cry because there's something that they need to be fed as well. And clearly Kwame Brown is looking for some sort of recognition or to be seen in a way that he's never received since leaving high school. And, you know, this may be in his mind the way to get it. Yeah, yeah he was a bust, but he was that dude that X, Y, and Z and came at that. We don't know. You know what I'm saying? But it's clear and evident that this man is hurting to some degree to the point where he would go to these measures. Right. Like clearly somebody that's not that upset wouldn't go that far. Yeah. Evidently, he is. <laughs> yeah, no, he does. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and he, there's 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 no real receipts that he could produce that's going to make the, the, the masses the thing like go he, away. He right. Bus. So it's like now, all right, I can't disprove this theory that I'm a bus. So now I got to take personal shots at people. But it's like, all right, so now I, the people that are defending you, now we got to take a, a step back because, you know, 
and, and as much as much as I beef with Skip Bayless, you can't go on on your YouTube channel and say, "Oh, I should give some to his wife." Right. That's 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 like you. And that, but and that's that's why we check in. This is yeah. the moment, like for the people that were defending Kwame, it's like, "Hey, I care about you, bro." That's when you go send him a message, like, "Hey, bro, are you okay?" Yes. Do you need some support? How are you feeling? Because now it's getting to a point where, like you said, he's lashing. If we can look at a kid, right, and the child is lashing out, then we know that there's some attention that we need to give to this child. It's the same thing. Just because we're adults doesn't mean that we know or have all the answers or have any emotional support to maintain us through certain things. You know, his name coming back up like that might have triggered something in him. We don't know. He probably worked really hard to, like, forget that part of his life. And then it was brought back up. So, you know, like I said, having compassion in the conversation is necessary because then you, you're able to see like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Something must be wrong. And now we can take the appropriate action, right? As opposed to judgment or like being dismissive or standoffish out of self-preservation. It's like, no, actually go help that man. Because clearly we, he needs something. If, 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 he's, if he's not able to receive that help right now, what would you suggest for, I guess, the people that's in this circle? Any similar situation to a Kwame Brown type of situation? Because, you know, we're not always ready to receive that help. Oh, So I remember we talked about this the first time I was there. You keep asking, hey, how are you? Hey, are you good? And you continue and continue and continue. Consistency is key. Once you decide to take that on, you know what I mean? It's about being consistent, checking in and following up and following through, you know, Every week I have friends that, you know, I'll be like, hey, I'm just checking in on you and I might not hear from them for a week next week. Hey, I didn't hear from you. How are you feeling? And I don't have to hear from them. I don't take that personal, but I keep checking in because then when they're ready, they will know that, okay, this is someone I can trust. This is someone who cares and is consistent and they have proven to me that they have been following through. And that's something I would like to say thank you to thank you to you about because you always uh, send the DMs asking how, how mm-hmm. we're doing and whatnot. And I, I truly appreciate you for that. So, you know, we got to listen. We got to give you your flowers, too, while you're here now. I appreciate Absolutely. it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's nothing to say, hey, how are you doing? And, like, and just wait for the answer. Like, it don't have to come right away. Definitely. Now, uh, before we get out of basketball really quick, shout out to Damian Lillard, another amazing playoff run that ended off short. Um, he, he put it. He put his bid out for Jason Kidd to come be the coach of Portland. Jason Kidd turned it turned it down. Um, do you think that uh, Dame finally says, "All right, I had enough. This thing ain't working. I need to get out of Portland." I hope so. <laughs> you I, took I mean, the words right out my mouth. I hope. Yeah, I hope so. Um, Max, I want to see him win. He, yeah, and, and and not only that, he he doesn't have to look much further than his own locker room because, as much as I love him, I got his bobblehead here. Carmelo Anthony was loyal to us to a fault. You know, Carmelo stuck around so long with New York that Carmelo pretty much wasted away his best years mm-hmm. on with the franchise and the team that couldn't help him. And Dame now at thirty years old, you hope that he doesn't wait till he's 34, 35 when he's not the same player anymore to now. All right, let me go chase that ring. Because then at that point, you know, we've seen that story before. A lot of times it's too late. You know, you land on the wrong teams. The team ain't good enough. So I hope so, man. I think Dame is an amazing player. Um, I know it's going to be tough for him to leave because he has been the greatest player in that franchise and that organization's history. But he deserves an opportunity to play on the biggest stage. He deserves an opportunity to at least be competing for finals 
and show people that what he does is right up there with the Steph Curry's of the world because he is he is that caliber of player. It's just he hasn't had the platform to show it. I'm gonna say it's the coach. Um, no disrespect to Terry Stouts, but I think they should have got rid of him two seasons ago. Two seasons ago, because the one thing about and I and this is what I was saying to my friend. I was like, I knew they were gonna lose because the adjustments he doesn't make. Portland gets gassed all the time and they make no adjustments. You got a guard-led team, but your guards do the most work. So that's asinine right there. If I know that my, my top scorer is also the, the ball handler, I got to make sure that he's exuding the least amount of energy on defense. But in a Terry Stotts uh, offense or defense or whatever it is that he does with them, they're running. I mean, they're blocking shots and then going back to get the ball and they're running. I'm like, the way that he used, I'm like, they're not in high school. <laughs> so yeah. to me, I was happy with the, I was very happy with the coaching change. But then I'm thinking like, no, he, they need one more shooter. Like someone that can, like, I was happy to see Covington there because they were able to spread the floor. Somebody like, when Ariza was there, I thought it was going to work better. But like spreading that floor or, I mean, Dame needs to leave. But if he doesn't leave, give it maybe one season just to see. Because I, I definitely understand the loyalty piece, but it's just like, oh my god! Like, and that's, how, that's how a mental health strain, or it can be in itself. Just that it is decision to whether I want to be loyal or I want to go win. Because if I don't go win, eventually the hammer is gonna you're gonna get that the treatment that LeBron got, that KD got, that MJ got before they had a ring. So that's that can also take a mental toll on you. That 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 big decision. Yeah, definitely. That's why it was so hard. Like, that's why I'm like frustrated with my words, because it's like, yeah, you change the coach. But then if the same thing happens next to like that team is kind of stuck in their ways, so to speak. So it's like I want to see him leave. But even you see the conundrum I'm having with it. Loyalty yeah. is a thing. And you still got Golden yeah, State it, that's going to come back. You got the Clippers. You got the Lakers. You got Utah. You got Denver. All these teams, they're going to get better. The Dallas, they're not getting worse. They're getting better. Yeah. And um Coach D, you, like you said, the adjustments. I mean, I think it's a double-edged sword with them, too, because I don't think their GM has done the best job of putting talent on that team either. Um, the other night, we you know, we highlight Dame scoring a 55 and was amazing. There was 56 minutes played in that game. Dame played 52 of them. Like, Dame was on the floor all game. And so they don't really have the backcourt help because CJ struggled this whole playoff series. They don't have that backup point guard that can alleviate some of that pressure off Dame. And like you said, look, let me handle the ball for a few minutes and you play off ball for a little while. You know what I'm saying? And we'll get you some screens and shoot, but that way you ain't got to worry about coming up and getting a whole offense set up. So it's a combination. Terry Stotts, he could have done better, but I think their GM has to do better as well. When you look at their talent and you look at the other teams they're playing, they don't have the talent even close. Like last year, Dame and them playing the Lakers in the first round, you could – tell immediately there was a massive gap in talent between them two teams and even this year like Denver didn't even have their second best player and Denver still looked better than them across the board because of the 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 range of talent on that team so it's both the coach got to be better the GM got to be better but ultimately I hope Dame has that discussion with his family and says look if I got to leave the area I know he's a west coast guy he may want to just stay out there but if I got to leave the area for three years to chase this title so be it. You know what I'm saying? It's, th- it's three years. Let me go get this ring. Let me solidify my legacy in the game because without a doubt, Dame is amazing on the court, man. Tell him go to death row. Team up with LeBron and AD out there in L.A. We can run this thing back. <laughs> All 
I'm sorry, man. I had to, I had to, I had to say, I had to put it out. I had to put that that energy into the atmosphere. I'm gonna start. You better manifest. Day, you man, manifesting LA. it. Exactly. I got to I got to do it. Um, really quick, football. We had one big trade. Uh, my main man Julio. I was hoping he went to the Ravens. I know you wouldn't have minded him coming over to the Colts. He will be going to Tennessee. Surprisingly, they only gave up a second and a fourth round pick, which kind of makes me wonder if if you're every other team in the NFL, because pretty much everybody could use a Julio Jones. If all he costed was a second and a fourth, why didn't more teams go after him? Yeah, I don't know why more teams didn't go after him. And there's going to be a lot of coaches uh, and teams calling you, Coach D, because they're going to need some mental health trying to stop Julio and Derrick Henry on the same, mm-hmm. same, on the same team. team. And they got A.J. Brown on the other side of that thing, too. Yeah, so you got Julio on one side, you got A.J. Brown, and then right behind the quarterback, you got the best running back in football who's also the Russian leader. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of headaches and it's going to be a lot of confusion out there and there's going to be a lot of coaches trying to figure out what are we not doing right because that's going to be a tough team to stop man but congrats to Julio because he's on a contender now the yeah, Titans man. two years ago were in the AFC Championship game they've been in the playoffs the back to back years they they're trending up and he he's got an mm-hmm. opportunity to get a ring yeah yeah well their rejection is God's protection because I thought the same thing like why why was it taking so long for him to get picked up but. All things in divine. He's, he's, he's in. Uh, he's, he's in Tennessee now. How young young buck called it Tennessee? He's in Tennessee now. So, so he, he gonna do his thing. Um, Dad, Coach, I feel like every every segment we have to have a, a mental health check in from you because I what I'm trying to wonder is why the hell in this lifetime would Logan Paul want to step in the ring with a man that is arguably the greatest boxer that we've ever seen um exhibition or no exhibition can you speak to can you speak to his mental uh health so as to why he would get in the ring with floyd money mayweather well, <laughs> well I'm, I'm, say, I'm not going to judge his men- his mental state i don't know the man um what i will say is that i think just the time that we're living in right um, you and I, we're, you know, we're, I don't know if you're an 80s baby. I believe you're an 80s baby. I'm an 80s baby. So we came up in a time where things made sense. And it was like, they have to make sense before they come out. And so now we live in a time where things, you know, trial and error is much more of a thing. And I think with just his fame and his YouTube stardom and him looking to continue building his name, um, I think it, it it's dangerous. It's like, you know, we just live in a time of... Yeah, it is because we live in a time of like great idolization. And so like he's just building a rep off of like fighting and like, hey, this is who I am. See me. You know, I'm the cool white boy. And it's like, all right, cool. You know what I mean? Like nowadays we live in a world where these things are normal, where people are like doing dumb shit for money. So I feel like, hey, if you want to test your luck against, you know, that person, then sure. And I, I mean, honestly, when I look at it, Mayweather ain't stupid. I'm sure they both get in a bag like. Oh, we know Mayweather get in the bag. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. to me, it looked fake. But it's like, you know, it, it's about the money. Like, we live in a time where things, you know, the passion in things is different. I mean, back in the day, fighting any type of sport, any type of craft, there was a certain, you know, passion. There was a certain love. There was a certain uh, desire to just be the best, period. Yeah. Um, but now it's like, nah, I don't care. Like, I just want to get this bag. <laughs> like, you know, people will be number two on camera to get that bag. You get what I mean? So... I don't know. I just I the way I deal with it is I navigate it like, look, like com- compassion in the conversation. 
this is what it is. This is what he wants to do. I'm sure money Mayweather got his money on that. I'm sure he did too. He, he, he definitely God bless got, the people got, who got paid cool for it. Nine, <laughs> like, nine figures uh, yeah. <laughs> out of the deal. Floyd, you get what I'm Floyd's saying? Already, Floyd's already confirmed it's a $30 million bag. Um, and, and as you said, Coach D, because we are all 80s babies, but I'm not about to use my common sense to make sense of this nonsense. And exactly. Logan Paul, you know, I, I guess this is an opportunity to enhance your popularity or push your brand, whatever it is. Um, but for anybody who thinks that a man who just started training within the last two years is going to be the man who's been training for over 30 years and who is recognized as the most tactical boxer the sport has ever seen. Whether you want to call him the GOAT or not, that's up for debate. But in terms of scheme and tactics in the ring, there is nobody who's been better than Floyd Mayweather. Floyd know what he's doing. This is this is easy money. Floyd has already cemented his legacy in the ring as a professional. And to him, like, listen, you're going to pay me $30 million to beat this dude up? Why wouldn't I take it? Yeah. <laughs> right. That Why part. That part. Right. Absolutely. Now, I know you, you didn't, Coach D, I know you didn't want to speak to, to, to Logan Paul's mental health state, but... Can you speak on the, the mental health state of his brother, Jake Paul? Because when he took Mayweather's hat off his head and said, I got your hat, I thought he had a death wish. So could you talk to me about that? I mean, I like I like I said, it looks staged to me. Like that don't happen in real life. Like we've been playing timeout since the back in the day. Like there's no way Mayweather been in the gym doing all this and the brother even got close enough to take his hat. You get what I'm saying? Without even him having a reflex. So to me, it's just like, nah, this is the stage. It looks stage. I just Well, they said that he really did get get a little bit of of a beatdown behind behind taking that that hat from from Mayweather. That was the word. They said that that actually did, you know, that did happen. So I'm just I'm just confused because I mean, look, we come, we, we all come from similar areas and those are not things that that we do. Um and I try to say, you know, obviously we're not all raised the same, you know, different cultures, you know, this you know, white kids. I don't know how they how they how they play around. And, you know, things could be a little bit different. Oh, they fight. Yeah, nah, they but, fight. But we, we don't. No, but I'm saying, but to, to to snatch Floyd Mayweather's hat off his head in the manner in which he did it, and you don't know that man like that. Like, that's nah, they, one thing. no white people play nah, like but that. But they know it. Yeah, yeah, and they no, no. But and white people play like that. And and to Coach D's point, it, a lot of this was already discussed behind the scenes because. You know, Logan Paul, when he first started, I'm sorry, Jake Paul, when he first started, you know, going around saying, I'm going to be a boxer, there's footage of him and Floyd talking and, and having their own little conversation. Now, they may not be best friends. I'm not saying that, but they've encountered each other several times. So whether it was completely staged or whether it was like, hey, look, I'm going to do something to, to hype the fight and maybe didn't tell Floyd that's what he was going to do and still did it. There, you know, there, there was a little to it there because at the end of the day, Floyd is a businessman and I'm sure Floyd may have jabbed him or punched him in the face, but Floyd ain't going to mess up his bag and go crazy on this dude and knock him out at the press conference because then it's like, now ain't going to be no fight. You know what I'm saying? If, well, that was, if a, that I hurt was his this brother, kid, though. Not, it, 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 it don't matter, though. If it I, don't matter. If I hurt this guy too much, then I'll put the venue at jeopardy now because now yep. they're going to wonder, like, should we even have this? Yeah. Is this too out of control? What's going on? So, listen, Floyd is a businessman. Floyd is one of the most calculated athletes of all time, right? Mm -hmm. Floyd knows what he's doing. And so I'm sure Jake might have said, look, I'm going to do something outrageous. Maybe didn't tell Floyd what it was going to be. Be I'm going to do something outrageous to sell it. Because remember, even when Floyd was on stage speaking, he's untying Floyd's sneakers. He's trying to pick at him. So I'm sure there was more to it. But ultimately, I mean, I ain't paying for it. 
you know, I got a site that I'm gonna watch it off of. I'm not giving yeah. you my money, I, I, I but, that now, but I'm sure there's a lot, there's a lot of people tonight who don't know what else their money yeah. that's gonna pay for it. So no, nah, that's a fact. Antics aside, now you got to step inside the ring. I don't think that Floyd Mayweather is gonna play with that young man inside the ring. So do you think does this fight end in a knockout? Does Floyd drag it out? What, what, what are your thoughts? I think they make it entertaining. Like I really do. Like at the end of the day. You know, like Eric said, it, it's about the bag. It's about where the money resides. And so if the money is making it, you know what I mean, an entertaining fight, I'm sure Floyd will. And I'm sure that Logan will. Like, they do that. Like, I, I worked in a prep school for many years, and they they do stuff like that. Like, pick at you and do, like, throw paper at you, like, in the hallway. Like, it's just like, you know, we play different. Like you said, different cultures. But when they come down to that bag, they're going to make it as entertaining as possible. Floyd, Floyd to carry it as, as long as he can. Um, similar to like what he did with McGregor. So this one's mm-hmm. an eight-round fight. Floyd, I think Floyd to carry it for three rounds and then just start putting a punishment on him. You know, Floyd is going to try to give you a little bit of your money's worth, but he ain't going to drag it too deep to even make you think that he had a chance to beat him. So Floyd may toy with him in the first round, may let him get a punch or two in the second round. Then by the third round, Floyd is just going to go crazy on him. You know, I mean, again, like I keep telling people, and I respect boxers so much because of the, the discipline it takes to be a boxer, like, ain't no way you tell him you just started training and you could get in the ring with that man and do anything, especially when we've seen other lifelong boxers get in the ring and they could barely touch him. Yeah. So if Canelo Alvarez could barely touch him, what make you think you could touch him? And we're not talking about his last fight being seven, eight years ago. Like, the the, Con- the Conor McGregor fight wasn't that far. No, we're not too Three far removed ago. from that. Three yeah. years ago. So this, and, and, and we're talking about somebody that still trains. Yep. Right. He didn't. He didn't beat right. Conor McGregor, run away with that bag, and then go sit on the couch and, and, and eat bonbons and, and popcorn. No, he's still in the gym, damn near every day with the same training regimen. So, you know, I, I hope I may the Lord be with him in this fight um, tonight. <laughs> it's, it's going down. I will be watching it. Um, but uh, let, let, let's let's get into the last uh, big topic. Um, and this is the, the main reason why I reached out to Coach Dean. I wanted you to come on uh, this show uh, because of the, the, the Naomi Osaka situation. If you guys don't know, I mean, you shouldn't know by now. She withdrew from the from the French Open, um, citing, you know, just she, she, needed, she needed a break mentally. Um, after being fined $15,000 for not speaking to the press after one of her matches. Um... Again, Coach D, I like now us being in the media, we understand because we've said it ourselves. Some of these reporters ask the dumbest, unnecessary questions, and you and you just like I don't even know how are you on television. How are you on? Have have you been in, in newspapers so long with the ignorant questions that you ask? So we do understand that it can take that mental toll on 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 the athlete, and then on the other side of that. We also understand that it is it's the media that drives the money that comes into these sports. So we have to have these press conferences after the game and after the fight and, and different things like that to continue to push the sports world. So how I guess do can we come to some kind of intermediate? Well, I mean, I think that you know, I think it it's it doesn't have to be so arbitrary. They're not on opposite sides. Um, the one thing that still needs to be reminded in the situation is the human. 
um, what she said, because a lot of media isn't saying this. She said, I'm a very introverted person. And so talking to the media is always hard for me. Can you explain if what's, you a, remember, what's, a, what's an introvert and the difference between so, introvert and extrovert? So an introvert is someone who is socially shy. Um, they're very much to themselves. Having a conversation or being around a lot of people um, can bring on anxiety, nervousness, panic, uh, all, all these type of um, just unsettling feelings, uh, like sort of something similar to a player just before the game, right? They may experience their palms sweaty or they may be jittery. Um, so someone who's introverted, they experience those, those things while being around a lot of people. So I would imagine someone that is introverted having to be on a stage in front of lights, in front of 10 people doing what you just said, asking a lot of dumbass questions can be very frightening for her. And so um, if you remember, she just beat Serena Williams and there were a lot of lights in her face yes. um, when she chose to before then, when she chose to speak out and put uh, the names of those that have transitioned on her face mask, she was in a lot of lights. And so over time, you have through the pandemic, which I'm sure she experienced too, we all experienced it, then having to come right back out, literally at the tail end of a global pandemic, you're already playing and back in the spotlight. Um, you know, I could imagine, yeah, needing an entire break. <laughs> yeah. um, because now there is the knowing and the belief that, hey, I get to advocate for myself. Um, and I think what she did was not only courageous, but very necessary in the fight that I continue to fight in terms of destigmatizing and, and decriminalizing mental health and, and making us more aware of the, the need and the necessity for us to maintain our wellness with our minds. Um, and that's something that only we can understand. Like it's not a pill. It's not a, Oh, I just have a headache. It's so much more complex and layered um, than people want to give it credit for. So kudos to her. Um, she's elevating the game by example. So, all right. So now, next, my next question would be. I mean, obviously, you know, because we're gonna have people that would say that'll, because the, the whole, I guess, mental toughness, right? So you're gonna have people that want to talk about her level of mental toughness. I'd say you're actually more mentally tough because you're able to step away from a tournament that you have a really good chance of winning. But there's then you have others that will say. Well, she's not mentally tough enough because she couldn't stick it out and, and finish the French Open. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. So see this pin right here? Mental toughness is not mental health. Um, too often in sports. So MT is a psychological uh, uh, definition, if you will. It defines personality. So within confidence, within com competency, within capacity, these are all things um, that our personalities would exude or express in a particular moment or time. That is where mental toughness applies and is appropriate to speak about. But when we talk about the mind, mood, emotion, that is what mental health encompasses. It, it, it is a evaluation of our well-being, our mental, emotional states, right? Like what is the state that we're in emotionally? Now me going out and like having the dexterity or the mental capacity, capabilities or even physical capabilities to do a tournament is nothing but the emotion right it's like we want we we as a society we want it both ways we want players to be passionate and really love it and do it for the game 
But then when they are doing it for the, themselves and, and not the money and not the achievements and not the titles, and then when they say they need a break, now we're looking at them like we're, they're, they're crazy. And so like Kobe Bryant was a perfect example of that. Um, he understood time very differently and he was very outspoken about being aware of your mental health and that being self-awareness. And so again, back to that idolization piece, right? We idolize athletes because they do what we can't do. So then we put them on a pedestal and based on that judgment, now we can see that they can't concede. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. it's crazy, you know? Um, so again, it's like, she's elevating the game like so many others, you know? And, and those that started, like last time we spoke, we talked about Kevin Love, but Kevin Love started a trend. Yeah. You know, when you look at the undefeated and Bleacher Report and the things that they're coming out with now, it, it's really speaking to the, to the humane side of an athlete. So we so we, we we are seeing improvement in people taking their mental health uh, more serious, and and as a whole, I think we'll we'll, we'll continue to to get it. Um, Coach D, I just want to thank you so much for making the time to um to to chat with us with us and, and talk mental health. We we we're gonna definitely have to start having you on more often because it's something that is truly needed, and we love and appreciate everything that you do. Um, I'm going to add your flyer. Um, to the show as well. So when people watch, they'll get the date and they'll be able to, 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 to check in, um, for your, for your next, uh, events. Um, the one that you said through zoom. So I'm going to add mm -hmm. that to, to this show along with your contact information. If they want to get in touch with you, bless, bless. um, really quick before we get out of here, let me just shout out the sponsors, uh, Petro home services, Kmart, the Rosado firm, Soundview Liquors, and make sure you guys are following us on all our social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, at Real Fan Talk, Facebook.com forward slash Real Fans Real Talk. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, YouTube.com forward slash For the Fans Productions. And make sure you guys are subscribed to the Sanchez Show podcast as well as Real Fans Real Talk podcast streaming on all major platforms. Really quick, Coach D, you want to give us a final thought so we can get up out of here? Yes, mental toughness, guys, is not mental health. Tap in with me. We got a lot of good things coming up at Get Fit Fly, right? Trip, Eric, thank you. It's always amazing. Thank you so much. All right, for my thank, thank you, Coach D. Trip Young, my brother, legend in two games, and of course, Coach D. Thank you again. We up out of here. Peace. Peace. Okay, this is your African King of Come, Michael Blackson. You watching real friends, real talk. Get real with it, my son. Real fans, real talk, we as real as you thought.